0: Hi, welcome to Building a Business That Lasts. My name is Jay Owen, and I'm your host, on a quest towards stories, tips, and ideas that will help you grow a business without being stressed out, worn out, and ready to quit. Each week, I'll interview other business owners who have successfully grown businesses of all types for many years. It's my hope that these conversations will help you build a business that lasts. On this episode, I interview Stephen Wessner. He's the founder and CEO of Predictive ROI, a digital marketing agency. He's the host of Onward Nation, a top-rated daily podcast, which has almost 700 episodes now. And more recently, he just released a new book. It's been a number one bestseller already, titled Profitable Podcasting. If you're interested in podcasting at all, uh, this episode's going to be awesome for you. Hope you enjoyed this conversation that I had with Stephen. Hey, Stephen, thanks for being on the show.
1: Well, AJ, thanks very much for the invitation and very kind of you. So I'm delighted to be here with you.
0: So it's always uh, really exciting. I've only got to do this once before I'm interviewing uh, somebody else who has a podcast, and in your case, uh, a very successful podcast. We're going to come back to that because I want to start with your company, uh, Predictive ROI, and then we're going to talk about the podcast and your book, Profitable Podcasting. So those are kind of a highlights for people that are listening, things we're going to get to. But what I always like to start off with is... What made you start your company in the first place when you made that decision to say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this leap? It's a big leap for a lot of people. And what gave you kind of the courage and, and the, the intensity to just say, hey, I'm going to make this happen?
1: Mm. You know, I I think I'm I'm in the category of like like many I, I'm sure who are listening uh, right now and in many business owners around the country of being one of those accidental business owners that you know was was described so perfectly by Michael Gerber in his fantastic book The E Myth, and it was one of those things where you know I was really happy at the University of Wisconsin. I was Member of faculty and academic staff uh, at the La Crosse campus, so UW La Crosse, and and I've been there for about five six years. And then one day I'm teaching a search engine optimization class to a group of business owners throughout the tri-state area, and and one of them at, at lunch said to me, "Hey, you know, you you really ought to write a book on this." And I thought she was just messing with me. I'm like, "Come on, Sherry," and she says, "No, seriously, this is really good stuff. And the way that you're breaking it down into tactical steps, you should write a book about it." I'm like, "Hmm, okay." So I went home that night and i said to christina i go what what do you think should i and she's like well you've always talked about writing a book so why don't you do it so four months later i had the book and then it just it put me on this path and trajectory unlike anything i've ever seen and and so then the book is out and ink magazine calls and leaves me a voicemail at my uh uw lacrosse office and i about fell over i'm like Mm. what they have to have the wrong number and, and, and so anyway, it started this momentum that turned into uh, some speaking engagements, that turned into some consulting opportunities. And for a while, I just said no. And to the point where I'm like, you know, this would be kind of interesting. And so shortly thereafter, I decided to leave the university, start Predictive ROI, which I thought was just going to be kind of a speaking, training, consulting kind of business. And it's turned into substantially more than that. But really, that's how it started. It started from, you know, teaching that search engine optimization class in little Lacrosse, Wisconsin and one of the, you know, attendees saying, you know, and, and I did. I followed up on it and it turned into something really kind of amazing.
0: That is really cool. And you know, it's funny you mentioned E-Myth. For anybody that's listened to the podcast before, I think I mentioned that book on almost every single episode. So we've got pretty good synergy going into this. (laughs) Uh, One of my favorite books. So after you uh, started the business, which is kind of interesting, you started kind of with a book almost and kind of got the business rolling out of that. What kind of challenges did maybe you encounter early on in the business that maybe you didn't expect before? Was this the first business that you had run uh, as a sole owner?
1: no predictive is my 5th okay. but even but even still i mean e- even though it's my my 5th there are challenges obstacles Either ones you haven't experienced before, ones you have, and we're <laughs> relearning that same mistake over and over again, and and so you know some of the challenges that we face that we still face, you know, it's it's you know trying to get things started. So you take on debt, and and then the debt becomes a problem, and it's like oh for Pete's sake, and now and now you know it's like wrestling with the debt, and and so sort of trying to raise revenue as fast as you can uh, in order to pay down the debt, and so you got to get over that hurdle. Or, or you know taking on too many clients and then not doing a good job for any of them yeah. and then losing clients as a result and now you've got a team of people who had been hired in order to take care of those you know clients but you grew and outstripped your capacity so i think we have faced a, a myriad of problems and challenges you know not dissimilar from what most business owners uncover but i think what you know, we've been able to also do is been able to dig in, been able to get really intentional around the people that we spend the most time with. Um, I think that coach John Wooden said it, you know, from UCLA, um, the winningest coach of all time said it best when he said, you will never outperform your inner circle. Mm. So I pay very, very close attention to who is in our inner circle. And I want to learn from business owners who have done what I'm trying to do and have done it really, really well. And and so and then we pay attention. And I like to think that we're good mentees and we apply what we learn. And so now we've been able to, to build a business that that is, you know, that is growing quite nicely, that is growing predictably, that is, you know, based on a very solid pipeline for business development because of our podcast and other things. But it took us, you know, geez, I, I started the business in 2009. So it's taken us eight years, you know, almost nine. No, it's taken us nine years. I can't even do math. It's taken us nine years to get to that point. So It does not happen overnight.
0: Yeah, I think that's a critical point. I think a lot of times it's easy for somebody to get discouraged early on in business when they hit a few roadblocks and and feel like maybe they're the only ones. But I think the more business owners I have the opportunity to talk to, the reality is that we all go through things that are sometimes really, really hard. And I think a lot of times what separates people is perseverance and the willingness to kind of push through and find a way to kind of find the success one of the things that I think is interesting, which you just mentioned, was predictable growth. And it's even in the title of your company, Predictive ROI. I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit because I think that's a struggle for a lot of people is how do you come up with a plan that helps you have some kind of predictability about what's going to happen versus kind of the just fly by your seat of your pants, hope you can sell a new project for next month? What kind of tips would you have for our audience around helping build predictable growth?
1: So the the reason why I named the business that way is, one, because I felt like it would have value to clients being able to predict their return on investment before something ever started. And also, it just kind of aligns with my personality. I like to eliminate the guesswork, and, and I like to bet on sure things. Taking a quote from Gordon Gekko in the 1985 version of Wall Street – And so with that, it's being able to really understand the metrics in your business that really drive your business forward. And that can be, let's look at the sales process, for example, the number of sales calls that it takes in order to get a meeting, the number of meetings that it takes in order to get a proposal, the number of proposals that need to be submitted in order to get an acceptance, the average acceptance value of a particular proposal, if we're talking about professional services and being able to understand that at a basic level, then you're able to know, then you're able to predict at least you know how many leads do we need on the front end of that and good quality leads in order to make everything else Downstream work and then based on what the revenue target must be so then you can dial that into whether that's a, a LinkedIn lead gen campaign whether that's having a podcast and interviewing your very best prospects maybe it's a Facebook campaign maybe it's all a combination of all three of those maybe it's doing a webinar program and teaching some of your curriculum that has lead gen then on the back end but unless you really understand 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 sort of that conversion process or the decision making path becomes difficult to really predict. But once you have it, then you can predict essentially the pipeline that you're going to put on the front end of that to know okay, I need to do four webinars. I'm going to do quarterly webinars. I'm going to teach this stuff. I'm going to take my overall method and break it into four chunks. And then out of that webinar, we might have two or three really solid leads. But based on this, this sales process, You know, that's really all that I need for a new company in order to really get that predictable revenue going. And then, you know, beyond that, in addition to adding the webinar, maybe you add in a podcast, maybe you add in a LinkedIn, maybe you add in a whatever to really start to make that more robust. But starting small and scaling from there is really key.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I always say everybody's selling something. It's just a matter of what. And and their job is to be able to clearly communicate that or have the right team of people that can clearly communicate that to help others make a decision to actually buy it from them. I think that your advice of trying to have a system and knowing your numbers is really important, especially thinking back to that EMF book. For anybody that's read it, if you haven't, go get it and read it now. Um, he talks a lot about this idea of the technician versus the manager versus the entrepreneur, and and I think that that's really critical because sometimes people come in as a technician. Maybe they're a designer or they're you know a, a carpenter or who knows what they're what they're actually doing that, that they're good at. And then all of a sudden, these numbers that you're talking about can be a little bit intimidating. So sometimes finding the right people, you talked about finding the right people in your inner circle, but even having the right vendors and things, maybe it's an accountant or a, you know, a marketing team member or something that can come alongside you could be really critical too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I wholeheartedly agree. I think that's some great advice and would certainly encourage your listeners to take advantage of what you just shared. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more.
0: So thinking about, I'm going to rewind a little bit to the book, uh, because I think a lot of business owners have said, I want to write a book, or maybe I want to start a podcast. Those are very common things that people have been around, uh, want to do for promotion, but they don't know where to start. It sounds like you kind of, somebody suggested you write a book and you got in there and did it. What was that like for the first one? I know you've written multiple books since then. How has that process kind of changed and evolved? and, And what did you learn through writing your first book?
1: One, it takes time, but it doesn't take as much time as what most people might think. One, it's hard, but it's not as hard as what most people might think if we're willing to give up certain things and then if we're willing to actually have the discipline to execute. So here, let me break that down. Because for me, it's all about recipes. It's all about like what are the ingredients in this recipe that if I'm going to bake a cake or if I'm going to write a book. And, and so most you know, paperback business books today that a publisher is going to publish or you know that you might decide to self- publish that really has some meat and potatoes to it is t- 288 pages, which translates to about 55,000 to 60,000 words. Most people write about a thousand words an hour. So really what we're talking about, and it is precisely about 60 hours of writing time, 60. Yeah. And so when people have asked me, how in the world were you able to, you know, uh, write a book in four months? I say, well, you know how most people will watch, you know, two to three hours of TV a night? Yeah. I don't watch TV. So, you know, the 20 to 30 hours that the typical household is spending watching television, I'm not doing that. I'm working on stuff, curriculum, point of view, message, content, expertise, all of that stuff. And so to be able to sit down and write a book for two or three hours a day over the course of three months and have it done is reasonable for me. But the key is, is reasonable for most people. If you stop watching TV, you find all kinds of free time. Or, you know, if you put your kids to bed at eight you know, write from till 11 o'clock at night and just being committed to it. And that's the difference. So writing it is not hard. Having a schedule in place is not hard. It's the discipline in forcing yourself to execute consistently over three months and you can get it done. So really, that that's kind of the secret behind it is a thousand words an hour for three months consistently, you know, whittling away at it every day or every night and you'll have your book.
0: Yeah, I love the way you broke that down. I, mean, I think that's one of the problems is the idea of writing a book seems kind of dawning But the idea of 60 hours of writing doesn't sound too bad, and especially if it's just an hour or two at a time or broken up over, you know, a couple of months. I mean, really, that seems very doable. And I think a lot of times it's a matter of breaking things down like you just did there of the least common denominator. And I love what you're saying about discipline. I mean, that that is key. If we don't have discipline in in all these different areas, we'll never get it done, even if we have a good plan. We've got to be able to execute it.
1: Well, in, when I so some people have recently asked me, you know, Stephen, how long did it take to write profitable podcasts? And they don't believe me when I tell them that it took me three weeks. Hmm. And and it isn't because, you know, part of it was, it was just my schedule was very compressed to that point. But also part of it is, is that Onward Nation, my podcast, seven of the solo casts ended up becoming chapters. I interviewed some of our clients for the success stories in the back end of the book, which also became episodes for the show. And then I interviewed some of my teammates, you know, more of the technical components, transcribed those, and those became chapters. So I was able to kind of stitch it together in three weeks. And And then, boom, there's a book that goes off to the publisher. Here's a staggering statistic. A a friend of mine, his name is Avinash Kashik, and he's a digital marketing marketing evangelist uh, at Google. And so he and I were doing an interview uh, when I was out of Google's campus a while back, and, and he said to me, he goes, Stephen, do you know the number of hours that the average household consumes in television a week? And I said no. And he says it's over 40 hours. staggering staggering 40 hours Mm. of television consumption per week just imagine and i'm not suggesting that people give up their favorite show what i am suggesting is that your listeners become more consciously aware of the amount of time we just let just slip through our fingers on idle stuff when instead we could just apply an hour a day for two months and you'd have a book, which is a game changer for your business and your life.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's huge. The idea of intentional time is uh, so important, and it's so easy to just get caught in the uh, whirlwind of the day or the week or the month and get through it and go, where did all that time go? If we don't write it down and aren't intentional about it, it's just going to run away on us in the same way that our money will if we don't have a good budget.
1: Amen. You know, Stephen Covey said it so Brilliantly, in his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, the late Stephen Covey. And he said, We often get, you know, bogged down in the thick of thin things. Hmm. And whether that's watching TV or, you know, Hanging out on Facebook or Snapchat or Instagram or whatever. And I'm not saying that these things are not important and that they don't add value to your business because they absolutely do in doses. What I am saying is that, you know, spending so much time and not being consciously aware and then thinking, oh gosh, I don't have time to write a book or I don't have time to have a podcast. When really getting intentional, we can find that we've got a lot of time to do a lot of the big things that we know we need to do to build our business and move it forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's great advice. Thinking about your podcast, Onward Nation, just an amazing show, what's also incredible about it is the sheer volume of episodes that you've had. The podcast has been around since 2015 and you have almost 700 episodes. That took some serious intentionality and commitment to get that done. I'd love to hear from you how you have been able to carve out that time as we've talked about intentional time and, and getting that done and staying consistent with it over the time period that you have. Cause that's where a lot of people fall off too is not being able to stay consistent and disciplined with something over time. How have you done that with this podcast?
1: Well, 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 first, the, the podcast has been successful for several really key reasons. One, phenomenal guests. I mean, being able to hang out with super, super smart people, be able to learn from them, phenomenal guests. Second, an incredible team of people you know, here, just taking behind the green curtain of predictive ROI, we've got a team of 15 and this is what they do, right? And and so I have the privilege and honor to be able to walk up to the microphone and have great conversations with, you know, other business owners. But when I'm done with that conversation, then then I'm done, right? So I can stack all of these interviews on Tuesdays and dedicate a Tuesday to that because I have a team of people, an exceptional team who are able to take that audio and then make it you know what it has become, and and then do that for a bunch of our other clients too. And then thirdly, and maybe even most importantly, the reason why the show has been successful is because we have incredible listeners in 120 countries who have taken this content and shared it and so forth and whatnot. But from a schedule perspective, on Tuesdays I, I block my calendar to where I do between five and seven interviews on Tuesdays. I realize that that is not realistic for every business owner. I get it, and it is a privilege that I. I am able to do that. But we have built a system in a back end team. To be able to do that. And so, you know, on a monthly basis, we're producing about 80 to 100 episodes across all of the shows that we produce. So we, you know, using going back to the word you were talking about before predictable, we have a very predictable, repeatable process for producing, you know, onward nation episodes, as well as all of the other clients content that we're producing. So it is a very well oiled machine. It didn't happen overnight. It took us years to get to this point. But I have the good fortune. I mean, that's why it's easy for me to have a daily show because I have an incredible team behind it.
0: Yeah, team is huge. I mean, it kind of relates to the idea of having the right people in your inner circle. You also need to have the right people on your team. And that is a big stumbling block for a lot of people, hiring, dealing with conflict, and then ultimately sometimes having to fire. Those are tough decisions for people. I'd love to hear what you've learned over time about how you kind of find the right person, get them into your team and process, and, and, and how you keep the right people as well.
1: We start with our values. And first of all, we have a very clear vision of what it is that we do here. And and, and we share that and make sure like conceptually, are we on the same page, you know, or I should say philosophically, are we on the same page with sort of our purpose and cause and our passion of, of helping business owners, you know, no longer look through the wrong end of the lens as it relates to their marketing and in the things that we do here. So making sure that we have commonality there. Second is we spend a lot of time on our values and communicating what our values are. Gratitude. Life is not static. There's no task that's not mine or too small. Mm. We can be even better than we currently are and we win together. There are two critical words here at Predictive ROI and that is team mate. And so we do things together. Now, it doesn't mean a, a duplication of resources. That means that we just value teamwork so much. And so Sometimes that works awesome, and sometimes we need to have conversations that are difficult and say, you know what? In this particular project, you weren't your best, and client deserves your best. I deserve your best at Predictive ROI, and you know what? You deserve to do your best, and this wasn't it. And so let's talk about why that wasn't the case and how to hit the mark the next time so that you can always be doing your best. What do you say? And then that response is, yeah, absolutely. Let's let's work on that. Every single member of our team has a mentor, including myself. I have multiple. And, And so each week, our mentors and mentees are meeting with one another, having conversations about how to get even better in focusing on our values. And so we're not afraid of those difficult conversations because my team hears me say, I love you guys. I am so very proud of you. Each and every day when we have a chance to create big wins for our clients, please know how much I care about you and how much I appreciate this opportunity to be in the trenches with you every single day. And so my team knows that if we're ever going to have a difficult conversation, it's because I love them dearly and it's because I want to see them be the best they can possibly be.
0: I just love that I mean the mindset of of caring about your people it seems so simple, you know on the surface, but the problem is a lot of and it is simple but but a lot of times it's not acted out because we get caught up in these emotional whirlwinds. but if we all know what our values are and what the vision is for the future, and if everybody's rowing in the same direction, it does make that a lot better. I just love that idea that no task is not mine or and no task is too small for me to do and then the idea of having mentors for each one of your team members, is that something you've done from the beginning or implemented along the way?
1: It's something that we've implemented along the way, and and it's a lesson that I actually learned from uh, one of my mentors. Uh, his name is Drew McClellan, and he runs the Agency Management Institute, and and has been a very impactful mentor and a great friend of mine, you know, for years. and And he taught me this, you know, this system. and And when I when I heard it, I thought, oh my gosh. We are totally doing that, okay. and and so yeah, we, we do that for everybody. Whether so, every one of our full time members of our team has a mentor. We do that with you know our interns that come on to our team uh, who are working alongside of somebody. So that's a that's a great way for junior members of our team to have experience being a mentor for one of our interns as the mentee, and and so yes, it is extremely impactful. It takes time. But it is extremely impactful. I, and I've had other business owners say to me, why in the world would you do that? That takes so much time. There's no way that I could actually sit down and and spend an hour with each of my employees You know, every single week. Hmm. And I'm like, wow, would you say that to your kids? Well, of course not. They're my kids. I believe in being a good parent. And I said, there's nothing different. Hmm. I think if you're going to be an exceptional leader, then you need to be able to spend time one-on-one with your teammates Because that's what they want. Sure, everybody wants to make more money. But above all, anything else, the biggest, the greatest need that they have is your time. They want to know that you value them. And you can't do that in an email or a memo or a video. You need to actually put your arm around your teammates and say, you know what, Alex? I really appreciated the job you did last week. You really crushed that. I am so grateful that you're a member of my team. Thanks for working so hard. They need that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we all do. I mean, I think we all want to have that kind of encouragement, and it's easy to always criticize somebody, always correct them, but then forget where to provide gratitude. And if we do that, man, we're on a slippery slope towards a revolving door with our teams. And I, I love that mentor idea. I'm probably going to steal that from you. And, <laughs> and uh, But the one-on-one thing, we started doing that. I probably started doing that about a year ago, and that makes a huge difference. Not Not Absolutely. to critique somebody's performance, but just to say, hey, I'm thankful for you. And how are you doing? Is there anything I can help you with? What, you know, what's going on? What's, you know, and, and getting to know people for people, not resources. And I think that's a big mistake a lot of people make is seeing people as resources, not actual human beings.
1: Amen. Yeah. The term human resources really actually at the core is awful.
0: It's horrible. Yeah. I hate that word. So much good stuff, uh, so many things to unpack, and I probably could talk to you for hours on end, but um, <laughs> I know you've got a busy day, so i like to move on to a couple other areas, one of which is really important to me. It's part of our values, one of our core values actually is family, and it's the idea that there is more to life than just work. We love work. I don't want anybody to hate Monday. I want everybody to enjoy working here most of the time, <laughs> but ultimately I also want to find kind of some harmony in life of how do I mix in other things? Some people have kids, some don't, some are married, some don't, but there's always these other things that are happening outside of life. And this always seems to be a big question and struggle for a lot of business owners is the whole work-life balance. And how do I not be uh, overwhelmed with the amount of work that I have and still be able to have other aspects of my life? I'd love to hear from you about things that have worked for you over the years, or maybe even things that haven't, that have helped you learn how to have the right harmony and balance around all things in life and not just work. Well, m-
1: my wife would say to you, Jay, that uh, that that I do not have
0: work
1: life balance. <laughs> in, in fact, I was just in Seattle, um, you know, last week doing a, a two day intensive with one of our clients, and and she said to me, "So, what are your hobbies?" And I'm like, "Geez, April, you know what? I I actually don't. I don't. I don't think I have any." And and she, she looked at me, kind of, you know, and I'm like, "Well, you know, I, I I enjoy golf. I enjoy working in my yard. I enjoy the downtime, you know, like that. I enjoy you know going to the gym and that kind of stuff. But I don't really like." have hobbies like I don't build stuff make stuff that kind of thing when you know sort of the quote unquote traditional hobbies and and because I love I literally love what it is that I do so like writing on a Saturday morning you know with a cup of coffee on my desk I love that mm-hmm. okay so I mean that that is how I sort of have my creative release so I'm probably a bad one to talk to or talk with about, quote unquote, work-life balance. I will say, though, that it is something that we support passionately at Predictive ROI. And the way that we do that is by, you know, this might sound crazy to some of your listeners. We have an unlimited vacation policy and we have a completely flexible work schedule. So our teammates are able to set their own hours. Our teammates are able to come and go as they please. But also teammate you got to be a good teammate. That means not leaving somebody hanging, making sure the deadlines are taken care of, that your clients are well nurtured and taken care of, right? But beyond that, you set your own hours. You work when you want. I mean, it's 40 hours a week. Sometimes it's more than that because of deadlines and so forth. And then we have unlimited vacation time. Somebody could come to me and say, and and this has happened, you know, I want to go backpacking through Europe. I'm going to be gone for a few months. Okay, awesome. Or I'm going to go, you know, hang out with my family in the Florida Keys for six weeks. Awesome. That sounds great. I'm jealous. I'd love to be going with you. Right. So that's how we support work-life balance is we make sure that our team has all the time that they need to be able to recharge and so forth and be as great as they can possibly be because they know they have that flexibility.
0: I love that. And you know, it's funny because I actually hate the word balance. I actually use the word blender a lot because I always say that it's just a matter of like what you need to put in the blender. Sometimes you need a little more spinach, sometimes you need a little more strawberries, but the ingredients are individual to everybody. And if you enjoy sitting down with a cup of coffee and working on writing that is business writing, quote unquote, on a Saturday morning... To me, that's perfectly fine. It might not be this 50-50 balance of like work and things outside of work. That's why I call it a blender. It's, a, but it's about finding, I think harmony is probably a better word where you go, Hey, mm-hmm. I'm content with where I am. And that may be different for, for somebody else. I think that's a big lesson. I always like to tell a lot of entrepreneurs is just because some other business owner is doing it this particular way doesn't mean you have to do it that way. You know, you don't have to follow their system. You just need to have a system. <laughs> that's what I like to tell people. Um, well
1: it's a fair point you right and it, it's like it, this is not a one size fits all topic and and I think sometimes you know popular whatever you know, it kind of makes business owners feel a little bit guilty, yeah. you know, for devoting so much time and energy and effort toward what it is that they're building. And, and, and I am not saying that I would ever choose my business over family. I mean, I love my family and family is always first. So I don't want to make sure that your listeners aren't confused there. But what I am saying is I think it's OK if a business owner wants to work 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week because he or she is pursuing something that they're passionate about. And they're creating impact in the world. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll give an example from last night. Actually, my wife wanted to watch this particular TV show, which I we were together, and I was like, "Well, I'll watch it." I was like, Dude, "But do you mind if I, you know, work on a few things while you do it?" And She's like, "No, that's fine." And a lot of times, this is just about communicating with the people around you and making mm-hmm. sure expectations are in place so that everybody, as long as everybody that is in your inner circle is comfortable with what's going on from a schedule standpoint and, and what's actually happening in the environment. Great, you know, whatever works for you is, is is great as far as I'm concerned.
1: Exactly. So I think oftentimes, you know, business owners when they're trying to kind of feel their way and 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 try to look to others, you know, for either mentorship or kind of as a guidepost or whatever, can be made either intentionally or unintentionally to feel guilty about, you know, the desires in their own heart. And it's like, look, We've all got the same 86,400 seconds today, Mm -hmm. and it's imperative that you use the abundance of God-given talent that you were instilled with, and to use that to the best of your ability. And that's for you to decide. Right. It's not for somebody else to decide. So figure it out for yourself.
0: Yeah, and I always say too, it kind of goes back to one of the guys I always love to listen to is is Gary V. For better or worse, sometimes, and he's that you know hustle all the time, early in the morning till late at night. But the the point that he makes sometimes too, which I think is important, is if you're a person who wants to watch forty hours of TV a week and you're not complaining about the rest of your life and why you don't have enough time to do X, Y, or Z, great, that's fine, that's your life, you could do that if that's what if that's what you want to do. Just don't be the person, the business owner that says ah. I don't have time to write that book. I don't have time to launch that podcast. I don't have time to rewrite that copy that I know I need to on my website. If you're also taking a lot of time to do other things, that's where it starts to become a little bit fuzzy for me when I'm working with other people and trying to help. But I think ultimately, everybody's got to chart their own course. And I think that's an important lesson in and of itself.
1: Very well said, my
0: friend. Last question that I always love to kind of, well, two things. One will be about how you grow as a leader. And the second one will be kind of any parting advice you have. So the first thing, for you personally, you produce a lot of content. You're interviewing people for podcasts. You're writing books. You're producing blog posts. You're helping with company work. you got all kind of stuff going on, consulting, speaking, all those kind of things. And how do you kind of fill your cup back up from a learning standpoint, whether it be about leadership or your particular areas of business? Where are you getting the most education for yourself at?
1: That's an excellent question, and I do it in, in several different ways. One I really, really, really enjoy spending time with, uh, I think it sounds cliche spend time with people who are smarter than you, although I really do enjoy it. Uh, and so, so that's what I, that's one of the things that I do is I'm a part of, you know, a mastermind group that is, you know, part of the agency management Institute. And I get to hang out with, you know, 11 other agency owners, You know, two times a year, every February, every August and we go someplace cool and I could spend two and a half days with them learning, understanding, getting mentored by, you know, other agency owners who have walked in these same shoes. So that's the first thing. Second thing is I'm really, really intentional about, you know, the the people who I spend the most time with. I have three accountability partners where we have weekly phone calls where we exchange our wins and losses, and those are always learning opportunities and Then I have several very, very dear friends of mine who are also have been very successful in either business and or academia who you know take me under their wing and and teach me you know various things to you know when I'm ready at this and then move to the next level and so forth so those are things and then I'm always looking for you know opportunities to to spend time with you know, super high performers and things that I can learn, you know, because I've been to a number of different events with, you know, Darren Hardy and he was on our board of advisors, you know, for 12 months here at Predictive ROI. So I'm always looking for those like, you know, really high touch opportunities, small groups, super intense, mastermind, intellectually stimulating with amazing, awesome people. I love those kinds of things. And then lastly, I love spending time with my team. And I learn a lot from them because oh, holy bananas, they're smarter than me.
0: <laughs> and that's really good when you got people on your team that are smarter than you and uh, learning from other people just has so much value. Last thing is any parting advice for other business owners out there who may be kind of in the early years of business, trying to figure it out, trying to make it work and grow and last the test of time. Uh, what, would, what would be kind of a last key thing that you might like to leave with them before the show is over?
1: Don't let the imposter syndrome rob you of your destiny. It is a real thing. That little voice that sits on your shoulder or whispers in your ear and says, Jay, who are you to think of something so amazing or something so bold or that you could really accomplish that challenge? It is staggering how we allow ourselves to to talk to ourselves. We would never, ever speak to another human being, at least I don't think so, at least somebody that we wanted to keep on our team. We would never speak to that person the way that we allow ourselves to speak to ourselves. And we're talking to ourselves all day, every day. Don't allow the imposter syndrome to rob you of your destiny. You are way more beautiful, amazing, awesome, and incredible than you give yourself credit for. You know, you were instilled with this abundance of God-given talent, skills, you know, intuitions, and spark than what you give yourself credit for. So instead of listening to that awful voice that is inside your head, throw it to the curb where it belongs and get down to the work and walking into your destiny that you are actually put here to fulfill. So don't let the imposter syndrome rob you of your destiny because that would be a travesty.
0: That is awesome. Stephen. I just love your energy and positivity and business uh, mindset. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you very much for the wonderful invitation. It was a joy, honor, and privilege, Jay. Thank you.
0: For everybody out there that's listening, uh, make sure you head over to Onward Nation podcast and check that out if you've not already heard it. Uh, Stephen interviews hundreds of other business owners with all kinds of amazing insights, and I think you'll just really, really love it. And if you're interested in starting a podcast, I could not more highly recommend Profitable Podcasting. It is on my shelf. I have gone through it several times with the highlighter and pen and probably need to go back through it again. So go get that book. Uh, Stephen, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, my friend.
0: I hope this episode has given you some ideas or inspiration that will help you grow your business. If you found it helpful and you know somebody else who might benefit from it as well, I would greatly appreciate it if you would take the time to share this with them, maybe on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, or even shoot an email over to a friend uh, with a link to this podcast in it. And if you haven't already, make sure you sign up for our email list at buildingabusinessthatlasts.com.